Roll initiative, set phasers to fun, sling some spells, and play on. It's Sunday Gamer, where we answer the tough questions about games. No, not how to play Twilight Imperium 4. The complex questions of why we play the way we do and how we play social situations better. Tune in as we take questions and talk gaming culture. I'm Judd Cavett. I'm Bob Mitchell. And today with us is a guest who's going to be a returning host, is Scott Gibbs. So uh, before we get into it, uh, let's, uh, let's let Scott introduce himself and tell us a little bit about what he does. Hello, this is Scott Gibbs. I play board games, lots of them. Oh, that's pretty intense. Uh, okay, well, you play board games, lots of them. Scott is our resident uh, rules lawyer slash teacher slash uh, guy who can't roll dice. Yeah. Every group every group has one. We are lucky to have it all in one person, so we don't have multiple people doing it. Mostly for me, it's the discovery of games. I, I do enjoy going through the rule books, which is a punishment I many not, times. Yeah, I hate going through rule books and watching films and watching videos about games, which is weird because I just want to sit down and play a game. I don't want to spend two hours trying to learn how to play the game. I, a lot of people are kinetic learners. I spent four hours learning to play a game that we unfortunately did not get to this weekend, but hopefully we will get to soon. Yes, that game is exactly three players, and when I mentioned that, everybody wanted to come over and play games. It was just amazing. Yeah. Uh, next time I won't announce it. We'll just do it. Yeah, we'll yeah. just, under the ta- in secrecy, in the dead of night. Yeah, we'll sneak together and play Three Kingdoms Redo. Yeah. And then we'll talk about it on this podcast, because it may suck. No, we're, we're going to start a brotherhood around it. Yeah, the Brotherhood of Three Kingdoms. It seemed like a very fascinating game. Mm-hmm. Although the the film by the publishers, although very informative, very boring. So boring. But there were some others that were much better. But all of them were several hours long. So they managed to make the, the video about the War of the Three Kingdoms in, in China... And all the heroes and stuff from China, China's lore sound boring. The my most favorite part was the little finger on a stick that they used to point to the components. That was the best part of the video. Was it B finger or just A finger? It was a little hand. Oh, I would think if I did oh. videos again, I would make it the finger. I'd make it a whole hand with just the middle finger up. Then YouTube will get you. Oh yeah, YouTube will get you. They'll get you. Oh, it was okay. the best part of the whole video though. Okay. All right. Well, that's Scott, and you already know. Uh, Judd and myself from the first podcast, if you can actually make it through it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about a few games that we've played in the past week. So Judd, we're going to start with you. Uh, I just played a ton of Dice Masters this week. So what do you like about Dice Masters? Because Scott and I have both played Dice Masters and we have some pretty hardcore opinions on it. So I like it because even though it's a game where I can strategize, I don't have to take it seriously. I feel that way about all dice games. If you're rolling dice, you got to get it out of your head that you can perfect the strategy. So are you trying to build it, so to speak, at the store? <laughs> this is something we're going to get into this episode. Because, yeah. No, um, oh, it's on my notes, yeah. Yeah, people are, people are trying to build it right now, which means they're not offering good deals on the product. Mm-hmm. Now, Scott and I played Dice Masters when it first came out. It was, it's a great game. It's great, great mechanics. I do not like the way WizKids handles it. Completely fair. I uh, understand. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do They do the booster packs, right? They still do booster packs? I saw they're you do some. They're on the magic model, yeah. But there are some sets that are all encompassing. Yeah. Like they're trying the to do that a lot more. They're actually moving to campaign boxes, and I don't know that they have booster sets anymore. 
Do you still think it's a collectible game? Yes, because they don't... Well, it's kind of like collectible... Well, you mentioned to me a problem about it yesterday. Yeah, that they're releasing the WWE set, and the WWE set comes with cards with max four dice. It's actually a weird love-hate thing for me, because WWE's cool, but I don't think they're as strong as superheroes, but we'll get over that. There's a WWE set coming out with... Max four dice on every card, just about. And they give you three dice for every card. What this means in Dice Masters is you can bring as many dice on a card to buy. It's a dice building game. You can bring as many dice on a card to buy as you, you know, have dice for up to its max. So max four, they give you one fewer than max. So if you buy a second box, you have two more than you need. Well, it sounds like you need to find another player and then buy three boxes. I was actually going to think about it. Mm-hmm. See if you guys wanted to go in on it. That practice is very common with a lot of games, especially uh, like living card games. Fantasy Flight is 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 very bad about that. You get the L5 box, you get the box yeah. set, you have all the generics you need, and then the rest of them that you can only get in the box set, not enough to max out. Yeah, I think it's they they call it a two player game initially, so you got enough to make two basic decks. Like I would yeah. use Arkham Horror for example, you you get enough to make two basic decks. Right, but you really need to get a second box set or buy a whole ton of expansions just to just to get your your there, decks up. Even with that game, there's a few cards that only come in the box set. There's one copy of each of those cards. Oh, that's and, terrible. Uh, that's terrible. Although I have heard that some companies, including Fantasy Flight, is going to move away from that model, but but that's still been an, an industry standard for those type of games. Yeah. Oh, the shame on them for making us buy more of their product to make more money. But I also kind of get it, because if you buy just a little bit, like, otherwise it'd be like an $80, $100 game. Price point is a barrier of entry for some players. If they dip their toes and decide they want to invest later, maybe you don't have to, like the WWE set. Maybe I can just field a few characters with, like, two dice on them each, which is common in Dice Masters. You don't have to buy the, you know, 80 bucks worth of four dice each. Or whatever it well, would be. Well, you, you could technically have Leonardo from Teenage Ninja Turtles, Hulk Hogan, right? Yes. A, a dwarf fighter from from dwarf from Wizard's D&D, really good. Captain America, yeah. and and somebody from that Yu-Gi-Oh. that DC universe or Yu Gi Oh, which yeah. is probably I think is next to Justice League. I think it's probably the worst selling. Yes. It's the worst selling expansion it was for it. Really um, formative in the early years, but now it's nobody's interested, and it's not. Good. Well, it just sounds like more. after you get enough expansions, you just use. It sounds like somebody just took a bunch of ideas and rolled them around in a garbage can and spewed out dice masters. Wizkids, yeah, greedy, greedy IP grubbers. All right, so we've we trashed Wizkids enough. So what is it that you really like about the game? The strategy is apparent on the board to where like you see what your opponent can buy, and there's a lot of lines of play where like you can. I like the creativity of it. I like building lists where I can. Because anything's viable in Dice Masters. Like, yeah, some things are better. Like, if you build the all-theme team, it's not as good. But if you want to, like... I, I like to play Mr. Miracle with Magic Missile, where he gets to boomerang the action dice and re-roll them and bring them back, and re- and I have my team built around that. And it's it's a pretty good synergy game. Okay. About how many people you think are... And this is going to actually kind of bleed into our conversation. Like, how many people you think are playing that right now locally? Well, I can get you a pretty exact number. I don't know the other people. Five... About five or six people. Five or six. Okay. A few of them really casually and would probably prefer to play Magic. Well, that's typical for this area. 
Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Just just Dice Masters, huh? X-Wing. Okay. Yeah, of course. So, Scott, what have you played? We'll always play an X-Wing, but uh, a few other games, too. Um, just finished another game of Outer Rim. Be my third game of Outer Rim. Yeah, mine, too. Pickup delivery game. I really enjoy. I've been looking for a pickup delivery game for quite a while, and I like that one. Yeah, the cool thing is, is like sometimes you can kill your deliveries. This is true. You can pick them up, kill them. <laughs> it's kind of fun, actually. It's very thematic. I, I love our rim. Uh, we played this yesterday, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a neat. It's very. Th- I love the heavily thematic games, and it's 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 right on what you would expect for a Star Wars themed game, in my opinion. Some of the cards feel overpowered in the game, but I really think that is just because. They're only overpowered on certain characters. Because if they're on a different character, there's not as much synergy or it doesn't fill a hole that that character's missing. So I do want to try it some more before I pass too harsh a judgment on it. But uh, I really enjoy it. But I am quite a Star Wars fan. Yeah. yeah. I feel like the game is going to be pretty limited unless it comes out with expansions. Because there's, there's, there's not... With the exception of those those numbered cards where like if you do an encounter you have to read it uh, with the exception of those and that stack's pretty beefy but there's not a lot of other cards in the game there right is now. not there there are several stacks of cards that you may purchase from but there's a couple of stacks that you're going back to over and over and they're not very large they don't do a lot of different things such as the deliveries themselves mostly they make money there's a few illegal deliveries where you can get fame which is how you win the game but you go through that stack quite quickly yeah i can't imagine playing a longer game to 12 fame instead of a normal game to 10 or a short game that's eight yeah and most of the games you start off pretty slow <clears throat> gaining fame and then all of a sudden somebody just takes off very very quickly at the at the end i've noticed that with all three playthroughs of this game yeah you pretty much have to whoever's in the lead you pretty much have to do everything you can to prevent them from from finishing out their last few fame points because once you start flipping your characters over and you become the superpowered version of your characters, it becomes really easy to get fame at that point. It's, and your ship as well. Yeah, that's 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 a fun game. I enjoy it a lot. I, I'm just afraid that if we keep playing it, which is why I don't want to play it all the time, if we keep playing it, it's going to get kind of samey until Fantasy Flight releases a expansion for it. And let's be honest... They gotta do something with the evade dice from Star from X Wing, right? Because they, oh, right, they gotta market right. it to X Wing players who bought out. I, I promise you, I will say right now that any X Wing player that bought out a rim got it because of the gold dice you can use in X Wing. Mm-hmm. And then they they played the game and found out it was pretty good. Yes, that would be that would be my analysis of that situation. So anything else? Just uh, just out of rim. Like I said just X Wing. Just X Wing. Well, a couple weeks ago, I did have the opportunity to play some new board games. Um, I'm going to call them the hype games because, well, at least one of them is uh, I got to play Wingspan at our uh, brewery game day. I, I, I saw the box. Somebody brought it, and I said, I want to play that game. We I have a very strong opinion on Kickstarter and games that come out on Kickstarter, whether or not they're good or not. There's no play testing, it seems like, on these games. Oh, well, it has 200 miniatures, so we're going to charge you $300 to go all in and get all this extra stuff that really you don't need. Toys. I mean, when it comes down to it, let's talk about, let's, we're not, let's not talk it into a, we're going to bash CMON podcast. 
But Wingspan really got a lot of hype on Kickstarter. It And to be honest, it deserved every bit of it. I love Wingspan. I'm actually looking for a copy right now, so I'm hoping it comes back in, in print, or they're going to do a reprint of it, which I imagine they will. But it's basically, at its core, it's basically just an engine-building game, right? Which which I really, really enjoy. So you're, you've got this board, and you've got... Each player board has three sections on it. There's like, heck, I can't remember. It's like forest and like a savanna or weeds and then water. And the birds that you get, you start with birds in your hands, but you can get birds and place them in each of those. And I think you can do five or six in each one. But but you can activate those spaces by placing one of your uh, little cubes on it. And you don't place it on the bird, you place it on the space to the right of a bird you have in there. And what it does, it triggers that action space, and then any bird you have in there, it's going to trigger their actions all the way down the line. Hmm. So you're building an engine game, and the goal of the game is to get more victory points than anybody else. Is the theme very heavy in this? No. There is zero theme in this game, but the pieces are pretty. And I'll tell you what, the artwork on the cards is great. And you learn something because each bird tells you about what, yeah, it has, I think it has little facts on it. I I, I ended up winning that game because I just went, I just got lucky and that's, you know, it's part of the game is just luck on a card draw. Sure. Right. I ended up with a lot of water birds. My hidden objective that you get at the beginning of the game had to do with water birds. And I had a bunch of big water birds that ate smaller birds. So... Basically, what I did is I played these birds, and then I could eat, I could blind draw, and if, it, if a bird was under a certain size, it would eat it, generate an egg, and then you use, you use eggs to do other actions, make other birds, and make victory points. It's a really neat game. I like it a lot. It had really cool components. I think the dice tower is completely useless. I don't even, it was, it was, it's useless. I don't even know why we used it. If they just wanted to use it. He said we had to, and it was his game, so we used it. But there's really absolutely zero point in it. It just took up table space. I'm now racking my brain trying to think what water bird eats other birds. I don't know. I can't remember. Pterodactyls? <laughs> okay. Maybe not that wingspan. I know I know. I did get an owl, but it wasn't a water bird. It was a, it was a okay. tree bird. And I know, I know for a fact that it ate smaller animals, and right. I believe I had a water bird that did the same thing. So but I'm, you had to activate it. Okay. So in other words, you had to once you got your birds down to use their abilities, unless it was one ability when you played it, you had to spend one of your your little worker tokens mm-hmm. to activate that row. And each round you play through three rounds of the game, and each round you lose a worker token because you have to put it on your victory point track. Mm-hmm. So you'll huh. you'll do victory points for your first round. You have all these tokens. Well, okay, now on the second round, you have one less. So you're doing less and less throughout the game, but you can do more and more with those workers become much more, and I'm calling them workers. They're really just cubes. They're action pawns. The cubes are eggs. I think I've seen eggs before. Eggs is a different mechanic. It's basically like birds can lay eggs, and they can lay up a certain amount, and you need eggs to take over. Like, the first column is basically a free space. You just need to pay the cost for the bird. You put The second column is like... The bird plus you have to have an egg so you'll have to lay an egg on one of your birds and you spend that as currency to go up the it's a pretty neat mechanic but like i said i mean it's just an egg it could be anything it could be coins you know much like in the next game i'm going to talk about but it was neat i enjoyed it a lot i think i think it's good for our gaming group i think uh engine building games are one of my favorite mechanics i absolutely love them i just love the thinkiness of them i like seeing them work and sometimes they they spectacularly fail so you know, there's that. The next game 
I'm going to talk about is it's an older game. I guess it's old, maybe a year, two years old. Century Road Golem Edition, which is Century Spice Road, Century whatever, whatever it's called. They said everybody said it's a Splendor Killer, and I tell you right now, play the game. It's not like Splendor. It, it's it's not even as far as I'm concerned. It's not really even an engine building game. It's sort of a resource management game, which aren't my favorite things. So basically, you got this this tableau of cards that everybody looks at. You start with everybody starts with like the same three cards, and you start with a little board that has different um, cubes. In in Golem Edition, they're they're crystals. It's Golem Edition and Spice Road are exactly the same game. It just they look different. No theme, no theme in the game at all. Once again, no theme in this game. It's themeless except like Splendor. You know, like Splendor. Um, <laughs> But, it's funny because they pasted different themes. You're talking about one they pasted a theme on it, Golems. Yeah, and it sold. Yeah, and they're re- sold. they're reprinting all the games from what I hear in in like a Golem edition. Yeah. So and they're going to sell these games again to these people because they I don't know if they don't realize it's the same game or they don't care or they want the different parts. From what I heard, they were only going to do the Golem edition for the first one. They hadn't planned on doing the second two, but there a lot of people just like the aesthetics. Of the golem, they do know it's the same game, but they really liked the aesthetics better because of the little crystals instead of cubes. Which uh, the company makes those crystals got to be making a lot of money because it's oh, the same sure. crystals that's in Spirium. Spirium, it's the same ones in, mm-hmm. in Caverna, mm-hmm. which there's two different colors in there, but they're the same shape crystal in those games. But mm-hmm. yeah, they it was very popular. People really demanded, it's like, hey, we bought this one. We know it's the same game, but we would like the aesthetics of the other two. So I think they're at least a limited print run. Yeah, yeah. So Century is a game of math, really. It's like, okay, well, I need to buy this victory point card up here. And the first person I guess is, I think it's five victory point cards. They That's the end of game trigger. Like, it stops. Boom, right then. There's no, it goes around, so it gets to you. It's just It just ends right there. So... Victory point cards, they're random, so they're worth different amounts of money, and some of them have little coins on them. The first ones in the first two columns have coins on them, and you'll get a coin when you get that, and that counts as a bonus victory point. So throughout the game, you're taking, let's say I've got three red cubes. Well, I need I need four yellow cubes. Well, I've got to buy this card up here, so I've got this, I've got to take the resources I have, and, I, and if it's the fourth card up, I have to put one resource on every card. It doesn't matter what color resource it is, up until I get to that card, then I take it. The person behind me can just take a card, the, the first card on it, that already has resource on it, and he gets the resource plus the card. Each card do something. You have a hand of cards. You can only play one card per turn. I, that's why I don't look at it as an engine building game, because with only one action per turn, you can't really make an engine. You can't you can't activate it. You're only using one card at a time, and you're just exchanging things. So if I decide to buy a victory point card, that's my turn. I'm going to take my stuff off, buy a victory point card, set it next to it. I'm done for that turn. I don't have any more actions or anything another action is once you if you want cards back in your hand you can just pick up your cards that's it that's that's your entire action so it's a very slow game in my opinion and to be honest i like splendor better and gizmos does everything better than both the games does yeah by far i know you're only getting like one action in gizmos but your one action in gizmos can turn into five other actions turns into a rube goldberg machine Yes, it's it's an actual it's an actual machine building game. Yeah, I mean literally and figuratively, it's a it's a machine yeah. building game. So that's what I think. I'm I'm against the popular opinion on this. It's not a game I would own. So to me, Century Spice Road 
length of gameplay on that? How long is that? I don't know. I think we played for a little over an hour, but two of us were new at the game. And then the person teaching, I don't believe, knew the rules either. So I, I almost feel like the, the one action per turn was just a way to make the game long enough to feel like a solid game. Like, like, you're, like oh, we played this for 45 minutes. It must be, it's not just a light little fluff game. It almost mm-hmm. seems like maybe they did the one action a turn just to spread it out to make the game seem like it's more than it really is. Well, I don't know, because, you know, every... Everybody I talked to about this game, and even when we got it out, the guy said, hey, this is an engine-building game. And so I'm ready to find the card that when I play it down, it's going to trigger this card and this card. I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to chain all these actions. It was non-existent. It's one card. Oh, I get three yellow cubes. All right, on my next turn, I can play this card, and I can take these two yellow cubes, put them in here, and I can grab a green cube. You know, oh, my third turn, I can take this green cube now, and I can turn it into two blue cubes. You know, that's that's the game. That's all it is. And people say, oh, it's like Splendor, but it has a theme. Guess what? No theme. And the reason why I would prefer Splendor over this one, not only do I think the components are better in Splendor, but I think the game mechanics are more solid in Splendor. It's very straightforward, and Splendor plays pretty quickly. Yeah, but Splendor, you're still just getting the one action a turn. You can Mm -hmm. take your gems, or you can play a card, or you can take a card. But even teaching Splendor, even teaching Splendor, we could still play that game in about half an hour. But it goes faster. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the big difference between the two. I know, I don't know if there's any kind of, like, sides to this argument. But I'm just saying that I did not enjoy Century Golem, Century Spice Road, Century Spice Girls, whatever it's called, at all. Like, I, I, I did not have a great time playing it. It kind of felt like I was working the entire time. And I don't like that feeling when I'm trying to... Like, I deal with numbers all the time at work, and I don't want to deal with them while I'm at home. That's why I don't like doing Power Grid that much, even though I think Power Grid's a fantastic game. But, you know, and I'd like to get that bat on the table again. But, um, you know, that's that's just my opinion, and, you know, whatever, you don't have to listen to me. You can call me an idiot. You can, you can call me an asshole, whatever. I just don't like the game. I wouldn't own it. I would play it, but I don't think I'd be happy playing it. It's not like Blood Rage, which apparently I just hate, even though I never said those words, but whatever. <laughs> so I'm going to bring you close to this part, and mm-hmm. we're going to get into the meat of our discussion now. And we all, I know we all three have, and that's why we kind of brought Scott in as a third person here. And probably going forward will be the third voice on our show. So today we're talking about how a game store can either help or hinder the gaming community. So, and I'll go ahead and, and kick this off. Basically... What, what do I want to see in a game store? Or really any store in general, right? Because a game store at the end of the day is a business, you know. Game stores have to know the difference between a business and a clubhouse. It's okay to nurture your players and to create a place for them to play, but it should not be 90% of the space in your store. Mm-hmm. Your product in your store should be very easily accessible to people walking in off the street. Yeah. And not knowing what your storage, they should be able. They shouldn't have to walk through ten tables of gamers of varying smells and and varying gaming and 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 frankly, just sometimes a salty language. Yes. They don't goodness. need to walk through all that to find the product. Your product should either be in the front of the store where it's easily visible by everybody, or your gaming area needs to be in a separate room separated by a wall. And that's that's just me. Maybe the, even two. If you have the space to say, this one has adult language if you want, this mm-hmm. one doesn't. And also, even if you say adult language, we are still a public place. Be polite. 
Well, yeah, and and you know the the workers have to nurture that too. I mean, yes, I mean, yes. that that's that's the thing, right? Because at the end of the day, you're a business and you have to sell stuff. As a customer, when I walk into a game store, I want to I want them to make me feel like I belong there. Whether it's it's when I'm visiting somewhere else or if it's our local store. I want to walk in there and I want to see a smiling face. I want to be able to locate and identify who works at that store, whether they're behind the counter, whether they're out there helping a customer. It's hard for me to locate, and it's not just our local store that no, does this. It's not. But it's I don't want to walk into a store and look for something and not know who works there because they're playing magic. I mean, that's the big that's the big culprit, right? Magic. They're they're, they're sure. always playing magic. That's what it seems like to me. And mm-hmm. and when you interrupt their magic game or whatever they're doing, oh my gosh. It's like you've if you ask them to cancel Christmas this year, birthdays are canceled, the Easter bunny's dead, you're not getting any more money from the tooth fairy, leave me alone, I've got to tap my freaking mountain so I can lightning bolt this guy for three points of damage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the kind of things I get from that, and that just blows my mind. Like yeah. Why are game store businesses ran so much different than normal businesses? Why why is it? Because they don't pay their workers basically. They they pay their workers and then the workers buy magic cards. So that worker expects to not work. So that's that's my talking point. Pay them so that they are at work to work and are gratified for it. If you can't afford a worker, run your own damn store. I agree with that. I, don't send them out for food. Yes. You know, um, they're not your major domo. <laughs> we were making that joke the other day. They're they're not your they're not your they're not indentured servants. No. I can't imagine Don't hire your friends. I, I can't imagine like yeah, because it's a way not to have a friend anymore. Yeah. I can't yes, imagine really. in yes. my in my place of business, I'm a manager. If I was to go up to one of my line workers and say, Hey Ted, here's five dollars. I need you to run to Taco Bell and pick me up a a five dollar box. Yeah. Well, first of all, it's not enough money. Second of all, I wouldn't need a Taco Bell. It's gross. But, but I can't imagine what HR would say to me. Like, I would probably, at minimal, receive some sort of disciplinary action. At the maximum level, be let go entirely, because we can't. These people are not. These people that are there to work a job. They're not there to be your delivery person. They're not there to take care of your pets. They're not there to clean up your house unless you hire them specifically for that. They're there to run your store for you. Mm-hmm. So any, what do you what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think it, also if you expect things outside of the job description, if you don't pay them well, they're going to steal from you. Yes, because and that's not a low income thing. That's a you're a douchebag. You deserve it thing. That's true. If, that happens That happens in multiple business, not just game stores. If you don't pay your workers well, again, and if you can't afford it, then you can't afford a worker. If you don't pay your workers well, they are going to steal from you because they don't... Ha- and if you brainwash them into loyalty, that's wrong. It's also respect, yeah. which is part of payment. Yeah. But you I need respect to respect what you, you did. You feed need yourself to with this. respect your employees. You treat them like a lesser person. You won't have the loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. You, you will have more theft. You'll have their friends coming in, or or they just won't care when other people steal stuff. They're like, oh, he just took that. Oh well. Oh, and this is this is just general employment advice for game store owners. Drug screen your employees. Do it. I know it costs money, but do it because it is. I guarantee it's going to help you in the long run. 
and and that's for any business. But I know that small businesses sometimes have a hard time doing things that larger companies can do that seems like it costs nothing. But the drug screens do cost a lot of money. But I would recommend it heavily. I have walked into a game store, and I've known that the person's working behind the counter is either high or drunk. I know that. You can smell it. Yeah. You know? And so just... I watched it happen at game stores. I was like, oh, cool. No, I can't get as much service out of you because you are intoxicated. Yeah. Just drug screen your employees. It's common practice. You're not, you shouldn't, they shouldn't be offended by it. And it should be just up front when you do an application. And do an application process too. Don't just hire somebody, you mentioned earlier, just because they're your friend and they come in and play magic and spend money. You don't hire your customers to run your business because they are customers. You hire somebody that needs a job, that wants to work there. You don't just go up to somebody and say, hey man, you know, you you know a lot about magic cards. I'm going to hire you, you know, and then pay them. Pay them the worst wages you possibly can. Under the table, yeah. yeah it's... That's a little, I don't want to use the L word, but I guess I will, a little laziness on, on the owner's fault. That The reason they want to hire Magic players is because, first off, most game stores, the only reason they're in business is because Magic Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah. And it is nice to have a knowledgeable employee, but they should be knowledgeable because you have trained them to be knowledgeable. Not because it's just their favorite thing to do. Maybe I, you usually have a lot of interest from from players that come in all the time. That maybe they want a little extra money. It's like I would really like to work here because this sort of thing really interests me. But you're right. Don't hire your friends. That's always a bad idea. I right. Exactly. Is important. It 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 is. And and the fact that a boss employee relationship is much different than a friend relationship, and it can be very difficult to separate for some people. I can work for a friend, and I know that while we are working, it is boss-employee, and then when we're not working, it's not boss-employee, mm-hmm. but that line gets crossed very easily. It's very, very difficult to separate the two. It is possible. It happens all the time. There are mature people that can mm-hmm. separate these things, but not everybody. As far as knowing who employees are, going back to that topic, I've been to a lot of game stores, and I can only think of two stores that I've ever been to where the employees had like polos or t-shirts or something that I knew who worked there and who didn't. Maybe only two. Well, I went to the the one I went to in Indy, uh, Family Time Games. It was easy to identify who, who was working. Now, they didn't wear shirts. I think they did have shirts, but I don't think all of them wore them. I think it was just kind of a laid-back casual, and I don't mm-hmm. mind that either. But the employees either. were always behind the desk where they were up working in the store. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a way to identify an employee, too. Uh, is is people that are actually working. I did not see a single one of them sit down and play a game unless they were doing it to demo. Castle Perilous? Yes. They're, Castle Perilous. They're behind, they're behind the counter. You know, they don't have shirts, but you know who works Well, they, they wear shirts. I want to I wanna clarify uh, yes. that. They do wear shirts. <laughs> they don't wear uniforms. They don't I'm wear, not going now. They don't wear uniforms. <laughs> they don't wear uniforms. They do have shirts. Um, I'm actually going to jump off a point you said. You train your workers... That means you have to know the business. You have to read the trades so that you know games. You have to watch demos on games. You have to watch all kinds of things. You have to do research to be in this business. That's great. And I'm going to build off that because that's one of my points that I've written down, hopefully. Maybe I didn't, but it is one of the points that I've pointed out in the past. 
don't rely on your customers to tell you what games you need to buy. Mm-hmm. Now, I have been asked, what game should I buy? Am I going to tell him to... to am I going to tell... I said him. I'm gonna t- am I going to tell a game store owner that I frequent uh, their store? Am I going to tell them to buy a game that I don't like just for the sheer fact of not liking it? No, I'm not going to tell them to buy stuff I don't like to play because guess what I am? I'm a customer. I don't work for him. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do his and market I, research. I don't, I don't have to do market research for him. I want to come back and say, hey, this game's going to be hot. You know, I may, I may say, hey, can I, you should probably get a copy of this store, but I shouldn't have to, or Scott shouldn't have to, or Judge shouldn't have to tell him what he should order. Or she. Or she, uh, uh, to, 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 to make his store successful. On the flip end of that, you shouldn't listen to your distributor either. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're the customer for the distributor, and they're trying to unload their product on you to sell. Hold up, what do you need? I got a... Uh... Fifty copies back order of space uh, space 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 and uh, uh, and this hundred dollar game that oh you're, this hundred dollar game will sell. It's based uh, off a video game, and I'll just be honest: any game based off a of video game is usually crap anyway. Yes. Usually, yeah. I I did listen to a hype other podcast. No, I don't. Gaming podcasts are great. I did listen to a Ludology podcast that had Bonacore, Steve Bonacore, mm-hmm. on there from um, Stronghold Games. Stronghold Games talking. Just about that, the, the whole supply chain of coming up with games, making them the distributors in the stores, and he kind of harped a lot on distributors, the whole point of the distributors uh, being a major breakdown, and it's actually making it quite hard on game stores, because mm-hmm. uh, these distributors either, they don't have games anymore that they should, they're only stocking the stuff that's going to sell, mm-hmm. and so a lot of the risk is being passed on to these game stores, so yes... You, as a game store owner, need to do the research because you, you cannot depend on your distributor. They have pretty low profit margins as it is, and they are going to unload on you. Mm-hmm. And, you and that's that's just well, that's any any business. Um, any business. You know, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in logistics, so I have to. I got my degree in communications. When I took this job, I had no idea what even logistics meant. You know, so I have to, I have to constantly, I'm at work constantly. When I have a second or two free time, I'm constantly looking up articles, looking up, researching things that's going to make me a better manager and make me run my business better. As a game store owner, I mean, if you're going to take customers, we're going to call them customers, okay? They if customers, customers that come in and you say, hey, what should I order? You might as well just be order doing a mail order business and not even have a storefront at that point. Because, you know, that's that's all you're doing. You're pre-ordering games. And for God's sakes, if somebody says, I'm interested in bolt action, don't go out and buy every product that they release for bolt action because that is one person and you expect other people to build that for you in, your com- in, in the community. And that's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. And it just drives me nuts when I see stuff like that. Like sometimes game store owners will focus on, okay, they're going to focus on magic. Well, I'm going to leave that out of the conversation because we know that keeps the lights on in most places. But you have players that come in your store every week and play Dungeons & Dragons, play X-Wing, you play Dice Masters or whatever. You're not promoting any of those games at all. You're not putting money into advertising. You're not getting the organized play kits. You're not getting the stuff that needs to make that successful. You're not giving your D&D players a quiet place to play. Mm-hmm. You and know, it's been a hindrance in the past, yeah. And 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 you expect people to to come in 
and, and frequent your store when it's obvious you're not supporting anything but magic. And the thing that blows my mind is is this assumption that, oh, they come in every week to play, so that's my game store owner voice, right? They're coming in every week to play, so I don't have to do anything to get them to come in. I'm going to focus on buying 200 copies of Rising Sun because it was a hot Kickstarter and then not sell any of the copies and then blame my player base for not selling them. Because you refuse to, to have an online presence, right? Oh, they ha- you have to have an online presence. Uh, you've got you've got online stores, cool stuff, miniature market. You can't beat them on price. You just can't. Mm-hmm. They they get to buy in bulk. They sell online cheaper than game stores can sell. Mm-hmm. So but what you have that they don't have, it's right there in front of the person. They pick it up. It's in their hand. They can feel the box. How heavy it is. I can make a bad decision today. It's a nice heavy box. You know, and they can walk out with it right there. That doesn't mean don't do deals. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Manage, manage your stock better. That, yeah. That's some other points I had I wanted to talk about later, I suppose. But. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pull away from how bad game stores suck as far as running the business. Because really, if you're going to run a business, like it, it doesn't matter what business. You can be selling widgets. I, I don't care. But you need to go in with a business plan. You know, you need to go in with a way, say, hey, in two years I'm going to be here, and then I'm going to expand here. Like most game stores, and we mentioned this last time, most game stores that I know of are in this area open in spite. And like somebody has wronged them at another game store, so it's like, well, I'm going to build a better game store. With hookers. <laughs> well, yeah, the game store. And banjos, you know, and and then they open the store, and yeah, it's Banjo pretty hookers. successful. But then the way you present yourself to yeah. your customers is not the way. It's not your house, right? I would if I owned a game store. I I invite people over to my house to play games, and I can kick them out anytime I want, right? Mm-hmm. Not so much in a public game store. Like right. you've got people coming in your game store, and you know you can't just randomly unless it's like during your open hours. There's no reason unless they're causing major disruption to kick them out of your store. Or to ban them from, like, oh, well, I run a dollar store. You get to Walmart, you can't shop here anymore. What? That doesn't make any sense. I'm turning away customers because they went somewhere else to buy a game that I didn't have. Or because they said, hey, Walmart has a really good deal. Instead, you say, you know what? We have a better deal here. Right. Right. Or I can't make that deal. Walmart's losing money. You go to Walmart. Mm Mm-hmm. Or Walmart's figured out the manufacturing better. You go to Walmart, you know, or the supply better. You go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't spite yourself out of a business. All right. So let's tie this into what are what are they doing for gaming groups? So what what's a we'll start we'll just do a roundtable here. Uh, we'll start with Judd. Judd, what can a game store do to nurture their gaming community? Demo games. Okay. Because I don't want to buy something blind. If you demo games... Well, most games aren't printed in Braille, so that's probably a good idea. I, I can see clearly now. Yeah. Huh? The rain is gone. No, yeah. uh... I don't, I don't want to, like... If I'm on the fence about a game... And it's, like, a hot new game... You should be telling me about a day that you're gonna demo that game. And if you can't, that's fine. You should know about that game. Hey, Judd, who should demo that game? 
not a customer, or if you do a customer, you give them a free copy of that game. Right. Well, I wouldn't even, you know, as a dem- as a customer, you know, I'm I'm not there to demo a game. No. If he's gonna he's gonna game. offer me a free copy to waste my entire Saturday doing it, that's fine. Or even a discount. But but ultimately, who who is at fault if you have a game demoing? And the demo goes, regardless of who's doing it, who's at fault if if the demo doesn't go well? Store owner. Right. And why would the demo not go well? There's lots of reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm putting Judd on the spot here, but the main reason is, is they don't know the rules or know how to play the game. The Scott? If you're going to demo games, the person or people demoing the games, either the store owner or an employee, okay, that has taken the time to learn the game. Now, that doesn't mean... As an owner, you can't contract these things out to other groups. Right. Not necessarily customers, although they may be customers. But if you have, there is a local board gaming group, you could have them demo games for you. But. You can give them some kickback. A little bit. Their communication mm-hmm. is definitely key there. You have to, if you want to work out stuff with other groups to do things in your store. Clear terms of redress. There, there is. It, it's, it's like oh, yeah. any business where you're doing a partnership. Just because I own my own business doesn't mean that I'm going to own my own, let's say, uh, freight. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to own my own fleet of, of trucks to, to move goods and stuff across the country. That'd I'll be. let somebody else do that. But you, you contract with them. You use their expertise. And you have expectations of each other. Mm-hmm. But there has to be some due diligence there. Yeah, and and we'll kind of go back to what we're talking about. Like sometimes employees aren't trained to do this. Like you're, they're hiring people to sell magic cards. I mean, that is what they're going to do. And in bigger cities, it's probably Hero Clicks and you Dice don't... Masters and things like that. But you still have to like you go up to your employee and say, okay, okay, learn the book of Billy Bob. You're going to have to demo Colt Express on Saturday. I want mm-hmm. you to make sure that you learn the game. Uh, take take this game home, or, or I'm going to give you I'm going to give you half an hour today, and I'm going to run the register for you. Familiarize familiarize yourself with the rule book. Learn how to play the game. Take the game home with you. Play it with with your friends. Bring it in on Saturday, and I'm going to pay you for eight hours to do nothing but demo this game. And I want it. I want the demos to only last X amount of time. Yes, time yes. is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um. If you want them to do well, I'm going to go back to the pay them thing. Give them commission. Yeah, commission. Commission, commission is a very good motivator to sell anything. It's a huge motivator. Yes. It's And it's if it's a no-risk thing because if they don't sell a damn copy, you don't pay them any extra. Exactly. But you're just paying them a percentage of profits if they do. And you're still on the markup. Um, demos. But the thing about demos. Magic, you don't have to... You said... They have to. They hire people to sell magic. You don't have to sell magic. No. People who play magic want to buy magic. The That's block true. is hot always for magic. Magic sells itself. It's an addictive game. It's it's an addictive substance. You don't have to sell cigarettes. You don't have to sell magic in yeah. the same way. Yeah, I'm I'm three years clean. Yeah. 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 Uh, about a year or two now. Yeah. So. Okay, so demoing games, that is an excellent point. That's how you nurture a gaming community. You get people in your doors, you get people, and that not only does that nurture the gaming community and can possibly get interest in gaming groups, like Scott said, it's going to sell product in your store. If you demo a game, make sure you have that product. 
offer the same discount to everybody as well. Don't don't offer the discount to the people buying, but sell the game to the person demoing the game if it's somebody out of a gaming group for full price because that's just bullshit. You shouldn't be yeah. doing that. Don't you should be that. you should be helping people want to help your store. Mm-hmm. So, Scott, do you have anything to add to that? As far as uh, game demoing, there's probably a couple different categories you should look at when you're demoing. One, you have a lot of it for some reason. So demo it. Maybe you'll find people to like it. You can get it out of your store. You need to make a profit, okay? Which means you got to make sales. Another one is, yes, if, if a game's hot, but maybe people don't want to buy it because it's a little pricey, mm-hmm. demo that game, all right? And people will buy it, especially if you can get them. And demos are great. I did this at uh, Gen Con a few years ago. Um, I had a game. It was my job to demo it. That's all I did. The demo itself was an hour long, which is quite lengthy for a demo. Yeah. At Gen Con. Especially at Gen yeah, Con. I gotta right? go get my, but my tournament it, going. Yeah. But uh, I built up a lot of hype during the gameplay. I made it fun for people. And I sold a lot of copies. I didn't make commission off of it, but I sold a lot of copies of the game. Uh, I finally got a copy of the game myself. And unfortunately, there was so many printing errors in that game which uh is unfortunate half the game was excellent was excellent very innovative never seen anything like it before a lot of fun the ending was weak and it's not the only game that does this there's a game that just came out that does the same thing has the same kind of weak random dice roll at the end to after you've done all this work of an hour uh, and then it's just this random dice roll at the end is like well i just wasted my time so it's not the only one that, that has been faulted for this. But, oh man, the printing errors. But but no, I built up a lot of excitement for a game that people were like, I'm kind of interested in this. I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it wasn't a cheap game, but made a lot of sales. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, that's 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 the thing. That's the whole point of demos is is you're, you're killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. You're, you're, you're generating interest in a game that maybe you have a lot of in stock. There is a third option, but most... Most most game stores probably won't take that option uh, because it's already pretty much a low profit margin off these games after you pay your employees and everything unless you oh, run yeah. the store by yourself. So you're demoing the game, you're generating interest, you're selling at least one copy. Like if you're you're selling at least probably one copy every time a group demos it because more than likely the group that comes in demos plays games together. So you're only going to sell one copy to that group. Right, but you got to look right. at in a game store. You can't look at selling a widget to everybody. No, right. you you sell a widget to one person because I'll tell you right now, Scott probably won't buy a game that I own, and no. I won't buy a game that Scott owns. There's no need to. We 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 play the same groups. There's no reason for us to own the same game unless I just really want it as part of my collection. But that's a hobby gamer versus just a gaming. collection gamer. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's that's the difference there. I had a point. I forgot what it was. I'll come back to it. <laughs> okay, so so now um, so that's demoing. That's a that's a good point, Judd. Um, Scott, what uh, what point do you want to bring up? How can a game store, in your opinion, uh, what's the one overlying thing that I think that you think that a game store can do to encourage gaming groups? That it can encourage gaming groups. Well, that was the big one there. Mm-hmm. So demoing, as demoing, uh, okay. uh, uh, Judd kind of stole everybody's number he, he one. He did. All right, <laughs> I, I do have another one on here uh, that actually fits into what we're talking about. Organized. This advantage. is something you mentioned earlier. Organized game play. This is something that you can do at stores that you really can't do privately. 
<laughs> Not easily. Anyways. Yeah, they're exclusively, and most gaming companies offer these, most. but they're most most of the time they're they're limited to only store owners can buy them. Correct. So only a store owner can even buy organized play kits for events, and that that works. It's the same as it does for Magic, as it does for anything from Asthma Day line of games or any kind of organized play. Because uh, gaming stores, they have. A lot of times they have the space for these sorts of events. Of course, they have the means to buy these mm-hmm. these kits for these events. But again, it comes down to communication. Because a lot of these, I understand that a game store may not be able to have a person there that can run every different type of organized play out there that the customer base may be interested in. So outsourcing is something that you can do, but you have to communicate. You have to organize. You can't just leave it up. It's like, hey, hey, Bob, would you just run this for me? And, uh, you know, I may or may not even provide this stuff for you. You do all the work, and then I'll just complain about it later. Does that sound familiar? That that may that may be a little on the nose there, Scott. <sighs> Maybe. <laughs> it's not just with you. I'm, this is something I have heard from other places as well. So it's it's it's... Something that happens in a lot of places. I recently, LVO just happened. So that was a uh, X-Wing event that they held in Las Vegas. Now, this was X-Wing, Warhammer. It's It was a tabletop event. Las Vegas Open tabletop it, it, event. It was. But a it grand was. championship for X-Wing. But there. for the X-Wing event, now this was completely player created and and ran, which is not unusual, but, but it wasn't a store doing it. Mm-hmm. So that that part was kind of unusual. But. Yeah, they had two tournaments there. One was an official fantasy flight tournament, right? And then the other one was I don't even want to announce the name of it because it's a Star Wars. <laughs> it's a second or something is the second best Star Wars movie. Whatever. It's it was that tournament that sold out. That was kind of amazing because it was a completely different format. It was, but the official one was actually official, but not that there was any official fantasy flight people there it's completely ran by the community but it was it was Mm -hmm. so i mean that is a possibility but uh, organized organized play opportunities and and don't just buy everything because you're probably not going to be able to organize everything but then if you do have genuine interest buy it Mm -hmm. and then make sure it gets organized even if you contract this out to somebody else as as the game owner you need to stay on top of it because you got to make sure that these people aren't taking you for a ride you know, because they'll do that. It's like yeah. it's like owning your own uh, restaurant, and, and you hire a chef, and you you never check in on him. Who yeah. knows what he's doing back there? He could be running your business into the ground. You have no idea. Don't do that. Got to stay on top of it. Yeah. yeah, that's anything to add to that. No, that's pretty on the nose. That's pretty much on the nose. Now, my big my big thought on this, and I just wrote down nurture community. And I just wrote some bullet points down. Um, you gotta you gotta make investment in all games. Make everybody feel welcome. Mm-hmm. But but you don't have. When I say an investment, does mean you have to throw a hundred percent all games either. If if Judd walks into a game store, it says, "Hey man, I'm looking for a group to play role player dice game." Know what he means when he says, "I'm looking for somebody to play role player with." Right. You know, we mentioned to do your research. Right. Your employees should know that too. Have a community bulletin board. Like, yeah, you got a Facebook page, but business Facebook pages are weird. You can't really post on them unless you're part of the business. Mm-hmm. Your posts kind of get ignored. You have to rely on the the um, the owner 
or an admin of the Facebook page to see your post and decide to maybe repeat it on the official page. We already mentioned that some of the, these people are lazy and they're just not going to do it. Uh, make sure that you promote, and if you do have community-run events, and I'm not saying you can't have that, but if you do have community-run events in your store, then advertise those. Don't just advertise. Don't pick and choose. I see this on our local gaming store page all the time. How long have we been playing Wednesday Night X-Wing at that store? Three, four years? Years. Okay. Years. How many times has the store actually put on their Wednesday b calendar that we play X-Wing? Um... The store itself? Yeah, I'm going to say I zero. Think it was on the zero? app that was a weird fringe app. Yeah, it was, and that app doesn't work anymore because it was it was very terribly done, by the way. It was it was really bad. The, the one time I saw an advertisement for it, then there was, right after that, six advertisements for the same magic event that buried it. Yeah. Completely, all at once. It's like, yeah. don't, don't. Mm-hmm. I know you. I know you're excited about the thing that makes you money. That's great, but don't ostracize players because you're focusing on this. Right, right. Get it out there, mm -hmm. but don't clutter it up because you need to make sure that all your communication is mm -hmm. clear, concise. You want to keep the buzz alive. I understand that. That's important. Mm -hmm. But yeah, don't cover up your fringe events that they're not your premier things at your store, but they're important for your your community. Right, yeah. So, yeah, make sure you're basically fair and equal to all gamers that come in your store. That's what I'm saying. The, the second bullet point I have, and I'm going to kind of go through these pretty quick yeah, uh, because we are, we are getting long on time, but don't rely on your community to build your product, to, to build yeah. it for you. And I hate, yeah. I hate that. Oh, we're, we're trying to build it. No, we aren't trying to build it, game store owner. You're relying on me to build it for you, and I already have a full-time job, and I'm not taking on another full-time job, because organizing these things is not something simple to do. Exactly. And you, when you coordinate with a large group of people to get them all in the same place at the same time, you have to be a certain kind of person to be able to organize that. You have to know, you know you, you've got to realize that it's not going to be a perfect time for everybody. You have to know, you have to be, you have to be able to say, I'm doing it on this day. I apologize if you can't be there. Maybe you can make the next one. You cannot please everybody. Don't rely on your community to build interest in your product in your store. And don't assume that just because it's on the shelves, it's going to sell. Right. You know, that's a big thing, too. And that's going to lead into my next one. But this this whole building, like we're trying to build it. Bull crap is is just I hate hearing that term at all because that the, the game store has been perfect personally victimized by it. Yeah, yeah, I mean it, it just makes it just frustrates the hell out of me because we have built a very strong X-Wing community. I have we have built a very strong board game community in this area and it is not the stores doing at all. Mhm. Mm Which is why I don't schedule our game days at a game store anymore. That is the thing you will lose loyalty if you don't yeah. Build it yourself. And I'm for me, I'm not expecting kickback. I'm not expecting to be paid. But I am expecting every so often to be saying, hey, thanks. Thanks yeah. for bringing people in my store. Not just saying, hey, can you can you spend more of your time doing this better? You know? Appreciation goes a long yeah. way. So there are two types of game stores. You've got one that it's nothing but selling product. There is mm -hmm. no room for, right, no for playing games, right? So you, you have that. 
Now, if you have a store that does have place to play games because you want to run organized events, you need to realize that you are doing two businesses. That is two separate businesses that do feed off of each other. It's two separate businesses. One, selling product. Product does kind of sell itself to a certain mm -hmm. extent. But if you're going to have organized play events, whether it's Magic or X-Wing or Warhammer, and you can't expect them to run themselves, you have to run that separate business. You may have groups that are interested in doing this, and you may have individuals in those groups willing to do a lot of the work, but as the store owner, you need to give them the tools necessary to complete that job, especially when the organizer may fall short because it, it, is, it is a lot of work to, to get all the advertising out for that. And that's, that's, that's the thing that an owner should already know how to do because they're running a, a business themselves and help fill in the gaps for the people organizing, especially if they're very casual individuals that just may not have the dedication or expertise to run such complicated logistical events. Mm -hmm. I'm professional at work that I get paid for. Exactly. If I'm running gaming events, I'm not going to be professional. I'm not going to have that attitude. I'm a very casual kind of person. I will... I want people to have fun at the end of the day. And so, you know, do I have to organize like X-Wing? Do I have to sometimes make the ruling that makes one player upset and one player happy? Absolutely. But I want the event as a whole to be successful and to be happy and want people to come back to our events. Now, that doesn't happen anymore. I'm not going to tell you the reason why. It just, just doesn't happen anymore. So don't rely on your community to build it for you. You have to support the per people, like Scott said, you have to support the people to build it. You have to be part of that program. It's like if you run a restaurant and you also run a banquet hall, right? It's the same thing. It's yeah, the exactly. same yeah. thing. You rent out the banquet hall and you cater it. But it is still your business, but it's separate than your normal restaurant, come in, sit down, and eat business. Mm -hmm. And that's and I agree with that. That's You have to do that. The third bullet point I have real quick is advertise. 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 Let people know where your store's at. Don't put an ad in the movie theater talking about your store and not put the address of your store on it. That's stupid. Don't, don't, uh, don't make a radio ad for your store without telling them where your store's at or insult people during your ad. That will not get people in the store. If you're, oh my gosh, a, we live in a college town, correct? Yes. It's a college where, town. Where are you going to advertise to get people in your game store? Get it on campus. Yeah, like, literally. Stop. Uh, the store is literally across the street from campus and does not advertise on campus. It is the most ridiculous, stupid thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Well, not the most in my entire life. I've seen some stupid shit, but this was this this really ranks up there with with easy advertisement. It goes as far as printing a flyer, printing the flyer, and placing it on the community board. In the student center. That's it. That's all it. Uh, that's all you have to do. And colleges will have game clubs and where you can go and be like, "Hey, we are mm -hmm. the game store for your game club in town." Yeah. So what does it do when you, you know, college kids? They, you know, they, they, they are going to want to take a break from studies. I know I did. I took yeah. probably way too many breaks when I was in college. <laughs> but. Uh, but, yeah, but, you know, at some point you want to draw those people in. Yeah, they're only going to be your customers nine months out of the year. Big but deal. But that's, 
Big deal. You know what? Three-fourths of the time. That that is three-quarters of a year that you can focus on... And you can boom in those three-fourths of the year. And then take a... Take 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 time off. You know, take time off. You, you can you can do that. So your store can so, be open less in the breaks. Whatever. Like, easy advertisement. Just don't. Yeah, that's that's a big thing. Advertise. Yeah. It's gonna. It's also gonna nurture your gaming community because people. You're gonna have a wider range of people that come in and and just play games together, mm-hmm. and which will build a gaming community. Right. Realize that you have casual players and you have very committed players, and you need to nurture both. And players need to be committed. And advertise in your store. So easy to do. Advertise in your store. Put up a sign. 20% off here. It's so easy. It's a piece of paper. That's not hard to do. And don't just advertise to your regulars. They already know what's going on. They know everything that's good. They know the ins and outs of the store. The person that just walks in off the street randomly comes into your store that always says that that they don't need help. They're just looking around. Those are the people you need right there. Okay? That's, That's the sale you need to make. Right there. That's the person that needs to know, hey, I don't know what you're interested in or not, but you see the things on this wall right here in this section? All that stuff's half off, just in case, you know? Mm-hmm. Have fun looking yeah, at the Yeah, yeah, the, the, the employees shouldn't dog the people around the store. <laughs> dog. <laughs> it, gonna, that's another one of my points here later. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> They shouldn't. They shouldn't trail these people around the store trying to sell them something. I, I witnessed. I witnessed firsthand. And I believe Scott was there I, too. That was a person comes in to the game store, interested in Star Wars Rebellion, had it in his hands, ready to buy it. The store owner comes and starts talking to this person, starts taking him around to all these games. Can you? Can you guess? Oh, he, I know exactly can can you? Games. Can you guess what? What the end result was? The players left confused and didn't buy anything. They were already on their way up to buy Star Wars Rebellion, which is a $100 game, I believe. $90. $90 that game. And he, what he did are. is he tried, he showed them every game. He, Trail on House on the Hill. I'm sorry, bullshit game. He Every game that he liked. Blood Rage. Rage. cheaper game, too. Yeah, yeah. Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Oh, well, my gosh. He, he lost them when he tried to push Gloomhaven onto he, him. They pushed Gloomhaven oh, onto him. Of course. Right. You can't, it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It, it's not, but it's I mean... a one-size-fits-very-few game. I, I did witness this. They had the game in their hand, and that's that's like the magic moment, right? That's the, that you've made yourself. I don't care if it's a $5 game. If they got it in their hand, and they're, they're in, let them buy it. Just let them buy it. What is and it, 100% then they'll, markup? Then you could come back later and sell them those other games. It's right. like... I really like this. This place is great. Oh, it's what like other, what other good games do you have? Mm-hmm. Then, then you start pushing them around. Mm-hmm. If they're interested in one thing. You talk about that one thing. Yeah, yeah. Don't and try to say, don't try to pull them off on something else. Oh, you want to sell them just because game. you like it. Yeah, like, right. If you know it, say yeah. That's a great game. I like this component in it. And then they say, oh yeah, I'm think I'm going to enjoy that or mm-hmm. something. Or, yeah, and you just. Let them buy it, and then they come back for expansions. And then they come back. Yeah, you got to get them to come back again. Mm-hmm. So this this kind of ties into my last bullet point, what we were just talking about uh, on this particular topic, is support your players as they support your store. That it is a symbiotic relationship. You support your players, they will support your store. They are going to promote your store for you, whether they think they're doing it or not. Yeah, we are purposely enjoy. on this podcast not mentioning any stores because well we did mention the one in Carbondale but big deal but uh, that's a really good store but it, I'm they, not they do a very good see? job up there yeah, yeah uh, but they really do a good, good job and anytime I tell somebody hey what's a good store in the area 
you know, it, it, like if, if they're, where do you live? They said, well, I live in Southern Illinois. I'm going to tell them to go to Carbondale and go to Castle Perilous because it is an absolutely fantastic store. The owner's great. The people that work there are great. They're very knowledgeable. And Scott and I were in mm. the store when a, a new hire started because they also sell comic books there. Oh, yeah. He said... They actually trained him on comic yeah, books? Yeah, he, he said... Oh, wow. He said, I would like for you to take about 20 minutes a day out of your time to go read up on some of the new comic books we have on stock and learn about them so you can talk about them with the customers when they come in. Yeah, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever heard in a game store. Oh, yes. <laughs> but they, oh, they yes. do a lot of things right there. When you walk in the in the front door, it's just the product. It's right there. Yeah. They have they have a gaming room. It's in the back, separated by a wall. Yes. Uh, it's, and it's, a door, too. It has a door to it if they want to close there's, it. There's a door to it that can be closed if needed to Always. be. Uh, because certain games lend themselves to different type personality to people. I don't want to pick on Warhammer 40k, but I guess I will. But there's a certain mentality for Warhammer 40k players in general versus Yu-Gi-Oh players, for example. Well, you there know. Are games like Kingdom Death Monster, I'd be embarrassed oh, yes. to play in public. Yes, uh, or very adult. certain people in the group. Well, you got to you got to curate your games, right? You got you, you just got to tell them like, "Hey, you can't yeah, play this here." Actually, I would I would almost say that if, Don't if it's it something in. like that, I, I'd tell them not to bring it in because you're going to offend somebody. Yeah, and also it's... Yes. I wouldn't sell it either for that reason. I, I don't know if the game's up for retail sale. So that's uh, not, but I'm talking I'm about sure. game. You're talking about games like that. That gets again to my other point, but that's just a. That's, I'm not going to get into it. That's just a business that's thing. A I, I don't believe a game. I don't too. believe the store owner should be demoing a game he doesn't sell. Yeah. And we've witnessed that before. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I why are you that. playing this game? Why are you getting people to play this game? You're not selling it. <laughs> play something that they're going to buy. If you're going to play it in your time and your personal time, not working, then do that's, it. Then don't try to get customers to play with you. Get your friends together and play. Right, especially if it's a game like if it's a Kickstarter exclusive, you don't want to demo that game. You're not going to make any money off of it because they're not going to buy it from you. They're going to buy it from Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you got an advanced copy of a game and then you're you're trying to get people to buy this and it's not even available for sale. Yeah, and it may never be. Now, and it's a garbage game. And it's a garbage game. Anyway, so so we've talked about some of the attitudes a store can have in order to... We talked about doing some things like demoing. Let's, what what physical things can they do? The big one I'm going to talk about right now. What physical... What what can you do? you got to create a nice space for people to play games. Which What does that mean? You have to have clean facilities. And I know Scott's pointing in his paper right yeah. now because I, I guarantee oh, yes. he wrote most of the same stuff. You have to have... Clean facilities means your facility has to stay clean. Yes. You get your workers to, if you have carpet, you get your workers to run a vacuum through two or three times a day because people are coming in off the streets are going to make your carpet sturdy. If you have a floor that has to be mopped, yeah, you need to mop the floor. Make sure you mark it where it's wet. But, you know, mop your floor. Keep everything clean. Clean your bathrooms. Oh, my God. The yes. first thing I smell when I walk in a game store should not be what the last person that used the bathroom ate. I, I should not be smelling that when I walk into a store. And I know sometimes there's problems with the land, and I get that, but that is, and to my opinion, that's no excuse. You should you also can do get, research on the building you're going into. Right. Oh that is that's gosh. still the store Seen owner's fault. Two places that really, really bad happened because they did not research the buildings that they went into. Yeah. The one in Clarksville that closed down. Oh, mm -hmm. they did not do the research. And it was such a good community. Yeah. And it shut down because they didn't research the store they went into. Clean. Mm. You want a clean place to play. Yep. If you got, let's say you have 10 game tables. 
you don't need your magic cards spread out on a game table taking up space. You it's don't need you, you don't need, need you don't that. need any of that. If you've got if you got if you're selling single magic cards, which most game stores are going to do, you need to have those in their oh, own yeah. section. They don't need to be spread out. And if they're saying, oh, well, they're sorting the cards out, that's fine. The employee needs to sort the cards out. He needs to borrow a gaming table and do it. Make sure that they're doing it no. instead of just sitting there for weeks at a time and you're taking up valuable space mm. from players in the game. G- keep the tables clean, right? It's clean that off. simple. Clean off the garbage. Whether or not the players left it there, that that's a rule you can enforce. You have to clean up after yourself. Yeah. Or... If you don't enforce that rule, which obviously most places don't, no. then so you have to send your employee over there to clean up that space. No. It cannot sit there. Immediately. This uh, goes back to the clubhouse mentality that you talked about earlier, where if you make it a clubhouse, you will get young male bachelors. You'll get young bachelors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they will spend some money, but it is only a fraction of the market. If you don't get families in, if you don't get women in if you don't get you know people who otherwise are actually fastidious and tidy right uh, yeah and and kids young kids kids because i i watched uh, i watched a, at a game store a, a woman and her child came in and the child was all excited she walks in she sees the place it scared her the way the place was it was a boys club and she's like we're leaving and he's you know the kid was sad she let him look around just a little bit but she she was very she was uncomfortable. She was very uncomfortable mm-hmm. with the atmosphere of the place. Yeah, it don't don't allow. I mean, Murray has a smoking ordinance. Uh, yes. Don't allow. Don't ever. And this is just my opinion, but don't ever allow people to smoke in your store, whether it's not smoking or not. Like you have a city no, ordinance, if you're not or a not, bar. Don't let them vape. Uh, not everybody wants to smell, especially no. if you especially if you're having a. You got to make it. You got to make it acceptable to everyone. You know, don't don't break the law either. Don't allow people to drink in your store. Period. Period. The only time you can do that is if you're a bar or a place that serves alcohol and is licensed to do so. You cannot allow players to come in and just bring a case of beer and drink it in front of in front of everybody and God. You know, you just that that just can't happen. That's unacceptable. It's against the law and it shouldn't ever happen anywhere. That's that's part of building your community. If if you only have a very small group of people keeping your business open, mm-hmm. then then you're subject to their whims. Like if you're afraid to tell them you can't vape or you can't bring in all your menagerie mm-hmm. of animals or you can't drink on premises and they leave and your business goes under, that you did not curate your customer base. Uh, that's well, not, enough. that's third party variable. That is not yeah, I'm, direct causation. Yeah, and that kind of bleeds my other point. I, I wrote it down. Here was the last point I said, but we kind of skipped to it. Don't bring outside food in the store. Uh, it bleeds to another one, too. You're smiling. I'm going to get to that one. Okay? But don't let your customers bring in outside food. One of the things that I love to see when I walk into a game store is when they say, don't bring in, you can't bring in outside food. Now, right. does it make me mad that, like, okay, well, if I want to eat, I have to pack my stuff up and go out and eat? But you know what that does to the store by not allowing outside food? It keeps your store clean. Yes. It doesn't it does. make your store smell like a pizza or or whatever people just... Because I'll be honest, when somebody brings Asian food in, I'm blaming you for this, Scott, brings Asian food into the store, it just smells... I, I, I don't care for Asian food. It just makes me sick to my stomach 
Not that it's not cooked bad. It's just something about it just doesn't agree with me, and I, I just don't eat it that often. You don't like the MSG. And I can't get away from I that smell when I'm in there. So don't let them bring in outside food. Dust your store, people. Dust them. I get right. Dust your store. Dust it. Dust it. Oh, well, we just did construction here. No, you didn't. You did construction years ago. Everything's still dusty. Dust your store. Dust off uh, Star Trek attack wings. No, just sell it. Hot tip. Hot tip. If you have product in your store that has a layer of dust on it, you need to mark it down and get it out. It is not selling. Did you make a sale last week of, of, of one part of this product? Maybe you did. How much have you sold in a year? Yeah. Just that one thing. How much have you sold it in two, three years? If it's been on your shelf for that long, you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. That's Games true. have an expiration. They date. do have an expiration. I, I work as a dairy manager. I, I understand expiration dates. They're there. Although board games don't have one printed on the box, they have one. Mm-hmm. They have a... A Best Buy date. They, they do have a Best Buy date. New things are coming out all the time, uh, or or a re-release of the same game. Maybe it's they fix the mechanics in it, or it has better components. And, and will you find that person that wants the original copy for whatever reason? Sure, but those are collectors, and they're probably not going to just come into your store and buy it anyway. So they're going to find the best deal they can, mm-hmm. because board gamers are notoriously fastidious people. Mm-hmm. So. The last point I want to make, and this is going to create a big discussion. When I go to a game store, I want to play games. I want to buy games. I want to be in the games. When I want to buy cat food or when I want to be around animals, I go to a pet store. Yeah. I don't want to go to a game store and I have to deal with the dog sniffing around my feet, sniffing around that, trying to sniff to whatever I have in my cup, trying to get up on the table and not pieces off the table. I'm so tired of going in the game stores and there's animals in the game store yeah. it is all it's going to take is for one kid to come in there and get bit by a dog or somebody going to come in there that's allergic to, to dogs and that store is going to get closed down and game store owners do not realize this and it is shame on them because that is stupid oh well my you know i have my dog in here you know what don't live in your damn game store yes and Go. there's a whole there's a whole conversation that's not even this podcast we should discuss this there's a whole different thing about service animals mm-hmm. sure service but animals. service animals service animals, service animals that Certif- are not certified certified not to bite will mm-hmm. go to you won't look at people and also you shouldn't pet service animals service animals are you should look up service animals because they're an important facet of our society and we have an emotional therapy cat Right. My house. Mm-hmm. My wife's ESA. Mm-hmm. I, I, we don't bring it places. We take it to the park on a leash. We don't take it places mm-hmm. and be like, well, this is my ESA. I need it. That's not what an ESA is. No. We've yeah. kicked many a person out of the grocery store that brings in animals that are not certified. You can't do it. You, yeah. They're like, well, it's my emotional support. I'm sorry. Get out. Mm-hmm. Okay. The law's on emotional support. You can have them in apartments. They cannot block you on that. 
we can block you from going in places with an ESA. Yeah. Like, if it's a public venue, you mm-hmm. can't have your ESA. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, this point's moot right now, because I guarantee you none of the animals that's coming in the store we're at is no. an ESA. No. no. And not or a not service animal. animal. It's none of that. And it's not it, the it's only just, store like that. It's not the only store no. like that. that but this one's bad, because I know every employee he <laughs> has has some sort of animal that they bring in the store. Right. And sometimes two. And then he also owns a dog. Now, that dog pretty much stays out of everybody's way. Now, he doesn't take it out for to use the bathroom, so he uses the bathroom in the floor. All which, the time. which, actually, they all do. We were playing X-Wing not three or four weeks ago, and one of the dogs that the that, that one of the employees has came and pissed under the table we were playing yeah. at. And I just, it just, it's disgusting. It shouldn't happen. In a matter of fact, it should be illegal. I, I really think it should be illegal. They should not, you should not have pets in, in the store at all. People may disagree with me. I have I love animals. I love well, animals, but I can't stand a single animal that comes in that store. And I, no, no matter is, how friendly or nice. The attention. The customer has to give them the attention. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I I don't want to give them attention while I'm playing a game. What if right. somebody comes in that store that was the victim of a dog, a violent dog attack when they were growing up? And they come in that store, and the first thing they do is a dog runs up to them, wagging its tail. What What do you think is going to happen in that? I freak out, yeah. Yeah. Right. What's the store owner going to do? I know Nothing. exactly what Nothing. ours is. Yeah, I know. They're going to ban that person from the store because it's not the dog's fault. And they're going to laugh and say, oh, shit, and you got <laughs> triggered or something. And it's You should not have that attitude. No, mm-hmm. no, it's not funny at all. You should have empathy if you want to be in a public venue. But... And it's not the person coming in fault either. I would not expect going into, you know, Sears, yes, which doesn't sir. exist anymore. So sorry <laughs> if you've never even heard of it. Uh, all right, JC Penny. If I go into JC Penny, I know I'm not going to see dogs. All right, if I have a problem with dogs and I go into this department store, I'm not going to see dogs. So if I go into a game store, why should I see dogs? And it, I know it's not our local store because I've been into many a store that, and it's always dogs. Occasionally mm-hmm. a, a cat. Occasionally but, it's a cat, but most of the time it's a cat. Cats knock things off the table as well. But, but one of them was like a huge mastiff. It's a big dog. Yeah. Now this thing was as docile as could be unless it just happened to lay down on top of you because it was always laying down on the floor sleeping. But it's it's intimidating. I'm not afraid of dogs, but it was an, it's an intimidating animal. And that's the thing. You're expecting me to put my trust in you that you trained your dog right. Exactly. <laughs> Why would you do that? Because apparently we're, we're this whole episode is dedicated on us just shitting on these guys because we know that they can't run their store right. Yeah, like, they can't. They're not going <laughs> to If you're not going to train your employees and you're hiring the type of people who aren't going to train their dogs. Exactly. Just don't have dogs. Don't have dogs. It, it, or it, have dogs. Have them at home. Have them at home? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it blows my mind. If, if you... Okay, so... If you have to work somewhere for so many hours a day and with no days off that you have to bring your pets to work with you because you can't physically take care of them because you're working too much, you need to hire more people and give that employee a day or two off every week. Now, I get it. I get it. Most stores, small businesses can get around this by paying them not by the hour but by the day. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, and they and they don't fall under the same laws as big companies do, so they don't have to pay overtime, at least no. to my knowledge. But they can say, okay, you're going to work for X amount of dollars a day, and uh, you're just going to have to make yourself available every day a week. Because it's, I know, I'll tell you right now, every time I, I can bet I could walk in that store seven days a week and see the same person working mm-hmm. all seven days. Yes, well, they're 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 contracted basically, they're contract work, mm-hmm. which 
there's very there's not not a lot of protections as a contractor worker, right. especially people that work at game stores. They're usually younger. They don't understand their rights and laws anyway. Their rights and privileges. Mm-hmm. They just get taken advantage of. Yeah. Well, that's an important thing. They're contractors, contract workers, basically. How many do you think actually sign a contract? They, well, they didn't. Like I said, they don't understand they their, don't understand their rights, could, their obligations. Yeah. and mm-hmm. Actually, I've heard of one or two threatening to call the labor board and then getting fired. Right, and that's retaliation, right? Which is highly illegal. Highly um, illegal. So they need to know their shit. rights. It, it is hard to run a business. It's mm-hmm. very difficult. Set yourself up for success. Mm-hmm. Every, every one of these things is a stumbling block that is easily... You can overcome very easily. It's a lot easier to keep a store clean when you don't have pets in it. Okay? That just helps. That makes that problem of keeping a store clean that much easier. Still got people leaving trash around the place. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But at least you're not picking up dog crap and piss on the floor. Or if somebody kicks over the bowl full of water that's right next to the bathroom door. Yeah. Well, actually, that dog picks it up and dumps it out all the time as well. But, yeah, I see people step on it, too, by accident and spills water. And, I mean, I... I like having the dogs there, but I hate the fact that they're there. Mm-hmm. I really do. I love the dogs to death. They're so friendly. They're so nice, but they don't need to be there. Maybe I can come over to your house and we can play and your dog can lay down at my feet. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. But not at the store. No. So, And actually, this is kind of bleeding over into my final point. Okay. And I'm going to give you guys a chance to talk about this too, but... Uh, there's one thing I do want to mention very briefly, and I'm just going to say this. Uh, don't try to do too many things at once. Don't try to build everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. Start with a player base. So we all know that Magic's going to sell no matter sure. what. You're going to get people there for Magic tournaments. Well, I mean, you can have a Magic tournament every night and be successful, right? A different format. They're going to play it. It's like crack. They're going to play it. They're going to come. They're going to come get their fix whenever they can. Yeah. So start small. You know, if you have a small store, start small. Don't try to like throw 20 games at people, especially if you're in a small community like ours. You know, you, you want to kind of build your group up and then have them expand out into different things. And you let know? them. Yeah, and let them, mm-hmm. let them tell you when they're ready to do it. Don't f- try to force them into that and then be upset at that same player base because they're not playing the other stuff. Yeah. You know, which happens. Right. You're going... The first, the first thing that is very common in Americans... And I see this at work every day. When I go up to somebody and tell them, "Hey, you know what? This you you didn't do this right. You know, let's 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 do it. Let's do it better. Show them what they did wrong." Almost almost inevitably, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, "Well, you know, that wasn't really my fault. The person in front of me in the line made the mistake." Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what we're going. It's so easy for us to push our problems off on somebody else so we feel better about it. Except responsibility. Except responsibility. When we ran that second uh, store championship or whatever, hyperspace trial, and Scott, uh, I actually had Scott help me on that one because the first one was was kind of a beast to do by myself. It was brutal. I should have helped So, uh, But Scott did a great job. But if that event didn't succeed, I wasn't going to blame Scott for it. It was ultimately my fault. What did I do the whole day? I just commented on on a YouTube video the entire day. You did. I, I answered a couple questions. And I entered in results. That's all I had to do. I think I only had to come to you for one thing for a ruling that a person had a question about. But I accept responsibility for all that. I it is my job. If I'm if I'm there, I accept responsibility for everything my team does at work. Mm-hmm. And as a game store, you have to be responsible for 
your 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 profit margin. You have to know how much revenue you're coming into that. You can't blame if you have the big game, the big game, whatever that game is. Sure. Let's call it Gloomhaven. You order ten copies of Gloomhaven, and you don't sell all ten copies. You can't blame the people coming and buying games. Oh, well, they just don't know a good game when they see it. Well, maybe they don't like dungeon crawlers. Ever think of that? Or don't buy twenty copies. Or don't buy so many copies. One. I mean, yeah, you need something to set your arcade games on, but use wood. Don't use games of Gloomhaven, which it happens. But that's that's yeah. just that's kind of the thing. Just expand into new games slowly and let your let your community decide when they're ready to do it. Mm-hmm. You know. So, any other final thoughts before before I say my final statement on this, Judd? My final thought. Oh, on just this topic. Just, just, just final thought. We're running, we're running about two. We're running about an hour and forty minutes right now. Okay. Final thought is, um, oh, I had it. You want us to come back to you? Yeah, come back to me. All right, Scott. Final thoughts. <laughs> final thought. Communicate. You mm-hmm. need good lines of communication. Organize. You need to be a very organized individual. Whether you're working with your employees, you're working with your customers, or you're working mm-hmm. with outside groups to help your business. Make things easy on yourself as a store owner. That's that's just keep it simple. That's, K-I-S-S. That's, 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 that's weird because that's my degree is in organizational communication. You said right. both of those things when you were just explaining I, that. And I am not. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a degree in music, and then many years later... I got a degree in mathematics. So he doesn't know how to communicate. Music's just organizing sounds. I, the, both of them are very similar, actually. But it depends I, on who you're listening to. If it's John Cage, <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. It's, it's logical puzzles. I think that's what draws me to board games anyways, yeah. is oh. these logical puzzles. And I, I, yeah. But, so good. Or be organized. Communicate. Your store has to be organized. People, it has to, when, when you walk into your store, it has to be immediately recognized as a place of business. Right. It has to be immediately recognized. Communicate with the people walking in the door. Communicate with your employees. Train your employees. Communicate with the player groups that frequent your stores. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to discipline them. Now, I'm not talking discipline like, oh, you know, you, you're banned from the store. I'm talking about no. discipline like, hey, guys, I need you to cut down on the language. Yes, language. You know, I need you to, I need you, hey, let's, you can't vape in the store. Sorry, if you want to vape, you got to go, you got to go yeah. outside. You can't, uh, you know, hey, can you turn the, if you're not playing the, the Wii, we could you turn please it turn yeah. it off? You know, just these little things like that. Uh, two weeks ago, there was a guy talking on the phone, on oh his speaker God. phone, yes. while we were playing X-Wing, the entire four hours we were there and was being very loud. I don't understand why somebody didn't go up to him and say, hey, can you please turn off your speaker phone? And speak to the person on the phone. That was very distracting to me, and I know it was distracting to the D and D group that was trying to play. Oh, so much! It was very loud. I don't know why it was so loud. I, he had it in front of him, and he was doing something else, and it was get, just loud. Get, I, I had at some point there was get a, some earphones. There was right? there was a baby crying, and you know it's all this stuff, and I just. I didn't understand it, but but just that communication with your... Don't be afraid to go up to your players and say, you can't do this, but be prepared to give them a reason why. Yes, you right. Know, but, but be very nice, be very courteous. You don't have to go straight to the band hammer as soon as somebody does something in your store. Mm-hmm. You can go, you could, you could... I mean, it, will it will it in there, like if you ask somebody to go out and vape and he says, oh man, blank you, I ain't going to blank in the blank, do this, I, you can't make me, this is my right. And it's like, well, no, it's not your right. But you can leave the store now because that's my right. Yeah. 
And so, be consistent. And don't, be consistent. Don't, yeah, don't let some people get away with things and others not. Or, well, it's late at night now, so we kind of let this slide. No, be, be consistent, and your customers will mm-hmm. learn, and they will obey. Yeah. They'll be fine. They want to be there. Okay, mm-hmm. you don't have to be like, don't don't be a slave to your customers. Yeah, the customer's not always right. The customer's always the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the most important things I learned in customer service. That was a great seminar, actually. Yeah. Give them the pickle. We're not. We're and we're going to leave that right there, um, <laughs> because I like the ambiguity of that statement. Yeah. Okay. Let's not explore it. Uh, let's not explore it at all. Let's have everybody else on my decide what it means. Give them the pickle. Okay. I'm going to give them the pickle, man. All right, Judd. What's your final thoughts? <laughs> My final thought is, or my two final thoughts are, train your employees to communicate, not mm-hmm. sell. Right. And them to understand and be able to talk in the culture is a very important thing. They should sell, but they should also communicate and talk and be able to say, oh, you like this? I can relate to you as a person. We've shit on game store owners a lot. And you're probably thinking, I shouldn't get into a game store right now. Like, I'm. there's no way I can do it. If it's your dream, pursue it. Because if there was easy money anywhere in the world, we would all do it, and then it wouldn't be easy money anymore. That is my final thought, is that nothing is easy to survive. Well, that's a good point. You know, and, and Judge, you just mentioned communication and your employees being able to communicate. One, one thing I like is now that we have Facebook and we have a lot of mm-hmm. online stuff, communication is so, it's just out there. I mean, you communicate with the world with one post on Facebook. One thing i like to expand on your final thought is if you do have a Facebook business page, only one person should be maintaining that page. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be every employee and every person mm-hmm. that runs a tournament or something that works for you. I don't know how many people have admin rights to the Facebook page of our local store. I know I have it. I have I, it. And Scott has it. And all the employees have it. And the owner has it. He, there should be one person that their, their job, part of their job, is to post on the Facebook page and answer any questions on said page. I see a lot of questions going unanswered. A lot. I don't feel comfortable answering them. Because I don't work for them. As a matter of fact, I pretty much ignore the page. I ignore everything on the page unless I need to post an event at the store. So so that's that's some advice is just have one person be sort of your your web guru. Yeah. Like it's it's like a social social media I know a lot of companies hire these social media brand people now. ambassadors. Yeah, yeah. And so they're, and they're the ones that's gonna promote they're gonna promote on they're going to promote on Facebook, on Instagram, and all, and Insta Cookie, and, and Face Page, and, and all this other stuff. Yeah. And WhatsApp, uh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're going to be that. Huawei, so, yeah. Friend Face. So, my thought, final thought is ultimately, we all have to realize if you're a game store owner, that gamers do not need the game store. The game store needs the gamers. Yeah. I can simply play games at my house with my game group. I do not have to go anywhere else. We can get things off cool stuff. We can buy online. Mm-hmm. You need, and, and they, they need to realize that, that gamers do not need the game store. The game store needs the gamers. Because I'll tell you right now, I usually buy my year's worth of games at Gen Con. That's usually where I buy all my new games. A lot of people and I don't really go to the local game store to buy anything. Now, if we, I used to be that person that said, okay, well, I'm going to go in here. Well, I'm playing, and I'm playing for free. I'm going to buy something. So I'd buy something every time. I don't do that anymore because I'm so jaded. I've been treated so poorly at this store 
that I don't feel the need to do that anymore. There's no loyalty now. There's there's no absolutely there's no nothing loyalty. To be loyal too. There, yeah, there's nothing. And, and to be honest, if I could find a new place for us to play X-wing that had the room, I absolutely would. I would jump on it in a heartbeat yeah. because. I feel like, and I know Scott's mentioned this to me before about us getting the organized play kits, running in our own, our own, our own uh, venue. The logistics of it's pretty difficult, but but for the most part, it's pretty sound. It's just you gotta just realize that like we don't need, like heck, we don't even need Walmart really because Amazon <laughs> delivers food now. I mean, yeah, that's true. so I mean you've got to do things to get people in your store. You get mad because I'm wearing a cool stuff ink shirt in your store, then do something. Do something to get people in your store that don't want to do an online store. We don't need the store. We do not at no point in any business class you will hear that this needs to be here. We don't need restaurants because we all have kitchens and can cook. You're right. You know, we don't need any of that. But you've got to make people believe that they need to be there. You want people to come in your store. You want people to buy stuff. You have to, you don't have to give 100% to the gamers, but you have to make them feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You have to make them feel like they're mm-hmm. wanted. All the stuff we said that that you have to make them feel like that the most important thing on your mind at the time when you're speaking to the customer is what they want and what they need. That's it. We don't need that store. The store needs us. And that's that's my final thought. Anything else? I've got, I've got one. You don't have to raise your hand. You can go ahead and speak up. Yeah. <laughs> Teacher, please pick on me. I, I, I guess I have one more final thought. Like this, my, so the, the, that was your the other penultimate. penultimate. Yeah, so this, this is, is your... Okay. This is the, We're all just going to want to up each other until we have like it, a three-hour podcast. No, <laughs> Bob, was, Bob was speaking and it kind of inspired me in my mind. Just ask yourself this one question if you're a game store owner. Do you feel lucky? Do you, Punk? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why do I have this store? Mm-hmm. Answer that question. You can answer it any number of ways. I I have my own personal feelings on how you should answer that question. And I think some answers may mean that you're not going to have a, a successful game store and others that you will. But that's the question you need to answer. And when you can answer that question, you can run the store the way you want it to be ran. Mm-hmm. And it'll be successful or not, I suppose. But why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why are we here? No, I mean literally. Why are we here? We're here to do a podcast, right? <laughs> That's my throwback to Red versus Blue for the game. I'm I'm done for the day. Thank you, everybody. We're um, here because the guys over there are in the base with the blue flag. Right, right. In this, in what a box canyon. In a box canyon. In a box, in a box canyon. canyon. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty. That's pretty much going to wrap it up for us. And. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, I finally got us on iTunes, so you should be able to, by the time this episode comes out, the first episode should be there, even though it's labeled episode two. I don't know why the first episode is labeled episode two, since we only made one episode. Mm. But pot, but but iTunes is weird. Yeah. Uh, so, but you can always find us on Podbean. Podbean. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank everybody that's coming today. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Judd, for your opinion. And with that, we are going to close for the week, and in two weeks, we will be talking about a different topic that I am looking at right now. We're going to look at the toxic relationship of gamers. We're going to get in, we're going to dig in deep into why 
we have win at all cost players or why people just have to completely dominate a game or you know why people are king makers and things like that so that's what we're going to talk about next time so i'm going to hand this over to judd this has been sunday gamer we thank you for your commitment to better gaming if you're looking for input about gaming related social situations email us at the dice guild gaming at gmail.com or come to our facebook page the dice guild Next, tune in next time when we discuss the toxic relationship of gamers. Until then, play on and play better. Thanks, everyone.